Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. We want to honor you. I want to honor you, sir, for serving our country. Because if it wasn't for you and those that are, uh, that are here and the, the veterans, we wouldn't celebrate the beach days. We wouldn't celebrate the, 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 the freedom that we have. So we want to thank you. Let's stretch our hands towards him. And Father, all the veterans that are represented here today, Lord, we don't take for granted their sacrifice. Even the friends that they've lost in war so that they fought so that we could have our freedom here in America. We remember them. And we pray for them, their, their families, and we ask, Lord God, that you continue to strengthen our current veterans, even our current military right now in our United States, Lord God, that are defending us. Protect them, Lord. Bring a hedge of protection around them, and we remember them, and we thank you for their sacrifice, for our freedom, and we honor them, and we ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Let's give it up for him. Andy, thank you. Praise the Lord. Hey, can I have some hamburgers, Andy, over there? Do you have to be a veteran? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 5, guys. Let's get your Bible out. How many excited about the Word this morning? Come on. That was five of you. How many excited about the Word of God this morning? Come on. And listen, go like this to your neighbor and wake them up. Say, wake up and get excited about Jesus. Yeah, you got the Holy Spirit over there. You got Come on. All right, Luke chapter 5. Um, this is not a series, it's just a, a message that the Lord gave me uh, probably on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and it's going to be more of a, a preaching message. You're not going to have, usually have a lot of notes uh, up on the screen, but I want to encourage you this morning. But the encouragement sometimes will sting. How many know that sometimes when you're sick, you have to get a medicine that, that doesn't taste good, but you know that medicine is going to bring healing to you? Come on, somebody, right? And so the, what I'm going to speak to you today is going to be very encouraging, but there's going to be a process throughout the message that's going to make you remember uh, and take a couple of pills, right, uh, instructions. But I want to speak to you prophetically on Luke chapter 5, uh, and uh, the title of my message this morning is, Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Nevertheless. At your word, I'll let down the net. Say that with me. Say, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Say, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would illuminate your word, that you would cause it to uh, fall on good ground. And I'm asking that you would speak to every person. Let not one person not receive from your word. And I ask you in Jesus' name that you would anoint me and that you would greatly encourage our spirits this morning through your word. And everyone said, amen. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Very popular uh, portion of scripture, but I want you to hang with me, all right? So it says this. So it was as the multitudes pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw Two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Everybody say, washing their nets. Then he got into the boat, which was Simon's, and he asked him to pull out a little bit from the land. 
and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5. But Simon answered to him and said, I want you to hear this very carefully because I'm going to harp on this. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down my net one more time. Look at verse 6. And when they had done this, they had caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Someone say amen. I want you to look at me for a second. Have you ever tried to do everything that you can to get results and come up short? Have you ever tried, come on, Holy Ghost. Don't, have, you, have, you ever tried, have you ever tried to do all the right things, applied all the scriptures, do the right prayers, live a consecrated life? Have you ever tried to do all that and get zero results? or at least very little results? Have you tried even pulling from your experiences? Have you ever tried to say, you know what, it worked for Pastor George or Pastor this or my friend, so I'm going to quote this same scripture that this person quoted when they got healed, so I'm going to use your word. We're not using worldly tactics. I'm using your word, and nothing happens. What kind of feeling, come on, I want to speak, um, this is an intro, but I want, you, I want to speak good because I'm going to speak true because sometimes we spiritualize everything and we think everything is okay when everything is not okay. I think one of the things about the church is that we stop being real with each other. I think it's like we get so religious, how are you doing? Well, bless the Lord, you know, I'm high, blessed and highly favored. No, I, I, I ask how you're doing, not what your spiritual condition is. Uh, you're blessed and highly favored when you're having a bad day or a good day. Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, you were not blessed and highly favored yesterday? No, you're blessed and highly favored yesterday if you're, if you're, if you're a, a blood-washed believer in the Lord. And so there are some times that we do all the right things. We're applying all the right scriptures. Come on. We're, we're, we're praying the right prayers. We're fasting the right way. We have our attitude right and still not get. We're, we're tithing, and we're still not getting a financial breakthrough. And we've toiled all night. And caught nothing. And we've, we've done all those things. And it's frustrating because no results produces uh, weariness in our faith. And weariness in our faith produces discouragement. And discouragement in our faith produces quitting. Now watch, watch this. And here's what, this, what Satan does. is because Satan knows a secret that many of us don't know. If I were to ask you, what are some of the few things in Scripture, very, uh, uh, very articulate, that actually pleases God. What are, what are, like, word for word, what does the Bible say pleases God? Right, holiness, right, pleases God. Obedience, it's better to be uh, obedient than to have sacrifice, right? That's what the Bible says, to better to be obedient than to sacrifice. What other things please God? Worship, okay, what else? Faith. Now watch this. This actually says it word for word. For without faith... It's impossible to please God. Now, wait, that's a little heavy there, God. Come on now. Are you trying to say that I could read the word of God without faith and I'm not pleasing you? 
are you saying that I could pray without faith with good intention and I'm not pleasing you? Well, God knows my heart. Yes, he knows our heart. But we need to stop saying the excuse God knows my heart that just because he knows our heart that we're pleasing God in everything we do. It got quiet up in this Methodist church here. Without faith is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must know that he is a rewarder for them that diligently seek him. So then what does the enemy do in our lives? He stirs up situations in our life where we are forced to apply biblical principles and nothing happens. Watch this. And we apply it and we pray it. And nothing happens. And we're waiting. And nothing happens. And we're fasting. And nothing happens. And what happens is we begin to get discouraged. And our faith begins to wane in the ability to, of what we're believing for. So when that happens, Satan is using those discouraging moments when we're doing all the right things to get us not to believe anymore. Now watch this. Here's the trick of the enemy. The trick of the enemy is a double-edged sword. He gets us to rob us to believe God that maybe one more time, if I believe it one more time, things are going to change. And he gets us to, to strip off the part of our faith that makes us strong, right? But then he, the other side of the sword is when we no longer have faith, watch this, for what we've been believing for for a long time, we stop pleasing God. Now, I know that's a little rough in our American culture. But when we have little faith, God still loves us. I never said that God doesn't love people that, that uh, don't have faith or have little faith. But if we want to please God, it's a whole different story. These disciples, I want to pause and say this. These disciples in the beginning were fishermen by trade. They weren't novices. They knew what they were doing. They knew exactly where to go, where to get the fish. Watch this. They knew exactly how to do it the right way. Like we do, we know exactly the scriptures to quote. We know exactly what to do. Every time the tithe comes in, we tithe. Come on, somebody, right? They knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly what to do. And they came up short. And what happens is that their faith begins to wane. On the flip side of that, God can use these uh, seasons of disappointment, like Josh was saying, the arrows, these seasons of disappointment, if your heart is right, watch this, to actually grow you supernaturally in the secret place, strength-wise. Why? Because we always think about David and Goliath. Right? I was thinking about this the, the, just the other day. We always think, look at David killing Goliath, but we never talk about, we never talk about the, the, uh, the David before he faced Goliath, all the preparation that he had to get through, the disappointment that he had to get through before he faced Goliath. Because before he faced Goliath, he had to face a bear and a lion. Wait a minute, that's pretty, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty heavy trial there. That's a pretty heavy pre preparation for Goliath. Like, I'm going to prepare you for Goliath. Okay, how are you going to do that? Target practice? Let's get a, let's get a can. Let's get a, let's get a can and just start, here's that practice. God says, no, I have another practice for you. I'm going to send a bear and a lion to you. A real bear and a real lion. And so when Goliath came, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Saul goes, uh, David goes, hey, let me take this guy out. I know. I've had practice in disappointment. I've had practice in heavy trials. And I'm still standing. 
and I'm strong, and I, my confidence is greater now because your servant, this is what the Bible says, your servant, because he said, you're just a boy. He said, uh, Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. I love this. Right? In 1 Samuel 17. And when a lion and a bear, man, I would have been like, when a lion and a bear came and snatched the lamb, your servant chased that lion and grabbed him by the beard. That's what it said. And grabbed him by the beard and killed that lion. And that uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them because he defies the armies of the living God. Just give me a chance. So we look, at, we look at David and say, man, he had perfect aim. No, he had perfect practice. He had perfect trials that prepared him for that. So why I'm saying that is on one end, our disappointments could actually get, get, get us to give up. But our disappointments and our trials of what we have gone through actually are setting us up to defeat the Goliath that's coming in our life. And it's a beautiful thing if we allow it. But verse 2 and onward, I'm going to break down verse 2. So if the back there, if you could put verse by verse as I say it. Verse 2 starts something that I'm going to prophetically speak to you. Jesus comes on the scene. He sees these fishermen who have, he knows, have tried everything, everything. And by the way, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're mature, right? And he, and he catches them, watch this, washing their nets in the shallow waters. For a fisherman, washing your nets means the day is over and it's time to call it quits. Oh, boy. When you're washing your nets is a symbolism and an actual fact like the day is over, I'm calling it quits, I've caught nothing, it's time for the next day. And... The washing of the nets is saying, I'm at a point where I'm about to give up. But I have a prophetic question from the Lord this morning to you, RCC. Who told you to start washing your nets? I want you to think about that question. Some of you are starting to wash your nets before it's time to wash your nets. Some of you are beginning to wash your nets and saying, I give up. It's done. I'm washing my nets. I'm not going back out there. I've caught nothing. I've told, I've toiled all night, and there's nothing that anyone could do to convince me to try it again or try harder. Preach, Pastor George, I'm trying. Washing your nets is a sign of giving up. What is currently in your life that is telling you to start washing your nets? What is happening right now that has caused you to say, I'm going to the shallow waters. It's comfortable here. There's, no, there's nothing that could harm me here, and I'm going to give up here. I'm going to wash my nets because it's over. Somebody say it's over. Yeah, I know, I know. When you're quiet, the Holy Spirit's talking to you. It's okay. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell them who told you to wash your nets. Who told you to give up on that dream? Who told you to give up on that marriage? Who told you to give up on their finances? Who told you to give up? Who told you to give up on believing for health? I've wanted to give up on my health every day. 
I said, this is enough. I've prayed. I am the fisherman. I've been having a nerve problem for two and a half years, prayed all kinds of prayer. You guys fasted for me, went to all these doctors. Nothing happened. Toiled all night, toiled all week, toiled all month, toiled all years, and nothing. And it's very easy when you've prayed for a, oh, for a long time for something. It's very easy when you prayed for your husband or for your wife or for a wayward child or for your family for a long time. Your heart begins to get hardened when you don't get the answers. Your heart begins to get hardened when you've done everything. And that's when the fine line of offense towards God or the blessings will come based on that moment. What do you do when everything you've done biblically has not come to pass like you expected it? Then he said this, watch this. Then in verse 3, he said, see, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Like, he's like a, he's like a, 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 a ninja because he's about to say something that just kind of thinks like, like he ignored what's happening to these fishermen. Think about it. These fishermen are discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. They're discouraged. They're, they're, they're washing their net. They've told all night. They've done the right things. And no, nothing that they've done has worked for them. They are discouraged. They're in the shallow waters, and they're about to quit. And Jesus comes on the scene and doesn't say, Ay, bendito, are you okay? You okay? Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. You didn't catch any fish? It's okay. I'll just do a miracle. I'll just wave my hands, and fish will come. No, no, no. He almost seems like he ignores them, but he doesn't. He is secretly actually, watch this, solving their problem. Are you, are you ready for this? He goes, he's like talking, and he's talking to the boys. And he goes, hey, hey, hey. Pull out a little, separate yourself a little bit from the shallow waters. This is step one. Are you ready? Step one to deal with encouragement. Discouragement, sorry. Step one from dealing with discouragement, especially after you've toiled for a long time. Step one. Separate yourself from the atmosphere that's vo- and the voices that is telling you to quit. I'm going to preach real good here. I'm going to preach real good here. Listen. Separate yourself from the shallow waters. Separate yourself from the voices, from the reality, from the, from the uh, uh, negativity that's causing you and convincing you that it's okay to quit. He goes, I don't want you to be in the shallow waters anymore. You know what? But he never told him that. He just said, go out and separate yourself a little bit from the shore, from the shallow waters. And he began to speak. So in their, in their mind, they're like, okay, I guess I'll do it because it's Jesus speaking. He just needs the boat. He, he needs the boat to speak. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to inch them little by little. Watch this, to the deep, which is the very place that disappointment started. In the deep. The deep is the place of disappointment. The shallow is the place of quitting. Say that with me. The shallow, the shallow waters is the place of quitting. The deep waters is a place of disappointment. Why would God tell you to go to a place and face a thing that you're disappointed about? So he's stealthily saying, hey, go up and separate yourself. Everybody say separate yourself. In other, words, in other words, I want you to identify that you are currently in the shallow waters and you're washing your nets. And the shallow waters and washing your nets are saying to me, you're about to quit. So I'm not going to let you pull out a little further. Watch this. Pull out a little further and distance yourself 
from the inner circle and the voices and the reality that's causing you to feel sorry for yourself and go just a little bit. He didn't even say go into the deep yet. Just go a little bit further. Separate. Everybody say separate. We've got to identify that things that are speaking to us and shouting to us, quit. And he says, don't, watch this, are you ready? Don't pay attention to those things because they seem very real when you want to quit. I'm going to say that again because that was good. The things that are voicing in your spirit to quit seem like it's the Lord. But if it was the Lord, then God would have a lot of, he would have a lot of explaining to do. Why? Because he says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not, or if you do not quit. Now, why would he want us to quit when everything in his word tells us not to? I'm not, I'm not getting any amens here, man. Because maybe, oh. It's hard to say amen when deep down in our side, in, in our spirit, we've already resolved that we're quitting. I ain't going to say amen to that. I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm quitting right now. I ain't going to say amen to Pastor George. He's just preaching. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not just preaching. I have every right to quit. Do you realize that sometimes I come in here, I'm in excruciating pain, and I show up anyways? Do you realize that on Tuesdays I come in and I could barely walk sometimes and I come in? Why? I got to show up. I can't quit. I got to I got to ask the Holy Spirit to give me strength. It's listen, I'm going to be honest, it's easy to quit. It's easy to quit. It takes strength to stay standing. It takes maturity to stay standing. Very easy to quit, right? So the shallow waters are the place of quitting. Now watch this. Verse 4. He says something different. He goes, after he spe- finished speaking, he goes, "Okay, now that you've separated yourself from that environment that is speaking to you to quit, launch out into the deep and drop your net. Oh, man. In other words, the net represents the very thing that caused pain in the first place. The deep is the very reality that caused these fishermen, listen, discouragement. So what Jesus is actually saying when he says, you know, we, we preach, we've seen that before, and I used to preach it differently. We used to say, launch out to the deep. God is getting ready to get you to a new level. Oh, God is getting ready to launch your ministry. And to a point, you know, that, that's, that's a good way to say it. Oh, launch out. Brother, it's time to launch out in the deep. Time to launch out in the deep. We're launching out. No, 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 no. For the fishermen, it was not a happy reality. For the fishermen, it's like, what? What are you, what are you talking about, Lord? Launch out into that? Do you realize that, Lord, do you realize that we've been up all night, all night, going to different spots in the deep? Because fishermen, as you know, anybody fish here? Anybody fish here? You don't fish in the shallow waters. At least if you're going to get something good. <laughs> if you want a tadpole, you know, get, it, get in the shallow, right? But if you want some real meat, you got to go where it's risky and it's vulnerable and it's dark. Oh, Watch this. Go out and launch into the deep. In other words, I want you to face the very place that brought you discouragement. I want you to go back to that. Watch this. Watch this. Why would God want us to go to the place 
that cause us the most discouragement because sometimes God doesn't want us to run from the thing that we've been discouraged from. Sometimes he wants us to face the things that we've been discouraged from. He wants us to face it. And we've been running all our lives from something that has been so discouraging because we know that if we go back, it will, it will bring us that pain again because I'm going to try and I'm going to fail again. And God goes, I know that. I know that you're discouraged. I know that everything in you is going to tear up when you go out there. But I'm telling you, launch out into the deep. Launch out to the deep. Go back to the place where your discouragement started and try again. If you've tithed and nothing happened, go back and try again. If you've been praying for a discouraged son or daughter, try again. If you've been praying for a broken marriage and nothing has happened, go back and do it again. If you've been struggling with addictions and you've done everything, go back to that place. Could it be that the very thing that caused you pain could one day be a weapon in your hands? Could it be that the very thing that's causing you pain and discouragement right now that you don't want to face could actually be a weapon called the word of your testimony in the future? Do you know that there's three things that overcome the enemy in the book of Revelations and none of them is good preaching, none of them is good outreach, none of them is good programs, is they defeated the dragon, the enemy, by not loving their life to the death, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The deep is where you sharpen your testimony. It's where you establish the place where God is going to form the weapon that once caused you pain and bring it back to you 100-fold. Have you ever had to be obedient to God when everything that he said didn't make sense? I'm going to pause. Come on, come on. Have you ever had to be obedient to the Lord when everything he's asking you doesn't make sense in the natural? I'm going to say it one more time. Have you ever heard the Lord tell you to do something, go to a place, go to a deep, go to the place to face your discouragement, whatever that is, and it seems like it's impossible and it doesn't make sense? I'm going to tell you a couple of scriptures in the Bible where God tells you uh, th to do something that it doesn't make sense. But let me give you some practical things before I give it to the scriptures. That's like God telling you and you've, you're having trouble with your finances. You, nobody knows just but you and your family. You're getting a notice as we speak on foreclosure, and you have $20 in your pocket, and the Lord says, I want you to bless that brother or that sister with the last $20 in your pocket. And you're like, get behind me, devil, in the name, in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is going, you can't rebuke me because I'm not, I'm not the devil, and the devil didn't tell you it was me. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. How can you tell me to bless someone when I am in need? Or, let me get personal with you, and I'm, this is me transparent. I've told this to some of my leaders, but I haven't told this to you. I came from a miracle ministry, right? And, I, and, and, and about a year ago, maybe six months ago, I stopped praying for the sick on purpose. I, I'm being, this is transparent time, okay? I believe if the pastor's transparent, then you could receive. Because you're, you're not going to relate to Superman. You're going to relate to Car Clark Kent, all right? And I'm going to be Clark Kent. I stopped praying for the sick on purpose. 
Because I said, if you're not healing me, I ain't praying for nobody that's sick. It was me getting back at God. All right, fine. You're not going to heal me? I ain't going to pray for the sick. You know what the Bible says? Job got healed when he prayed for his friends. Job 42, look it up. His friends that were saying, just curse God. The reason you got boils on your body is because you are sinful. Just admit it, Job. Just admit it, Job. I'm not doing anything wrong. These things are happening to me. And, there's, and all his quote-unquote Christian friends. Come on, somebody. We got some jacked-up Christian friends up around here. All your, all your Christian friends, just admit, just admit, Job, you're a sinner. Just, just admit it. Come on, just get it over with. But I'm not. I didn't do anything. After all the discouragement, God says in Job 42, look it up, Job 42, when he prayed for his friends, then God healed him. So, I, so the enemy, the voice of the enemy was speaking this to me. Here's what happens when you're discouraged. The voice of the enemy comes louder. So, so here's what the enemy was saying to me. You have no authority, George, to pray for the sick because you're not well. That's, 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 that's a lie. But when you're going through it, you don't see that. You don't see that. You have no authority. And I kept saying, well, I don't feel like a hypocrite praying for the sick and everyone gets healed except me. And that, that was what happened. Like, God has a sense of humor. I started praying for the sick. They started getting healed. I'm like, come on, Lord. Come on. Like, maybe I need to do this, right? But here's my point. Here's my point. God allows us to face our discouragement so that he can release something powerful in us. Not only in our character, but in the flow of the spirit. Has God ever told you? Right now, I want you to think about this. Is God telling you something right now that seems absolutely impossible and it doesn't make sense? I'm going to give you some examples. John chapter 6. This is a very uh, weird, offensive scripture in the natural. Because Jesus in John chapter 6, I'm going to skip the first part, but I'm, I'm going to give you the next one. In John chapter 6, um, ver verse uh, 5 through 9, uh, it talks about, the loaves and the fishes. So that doesn't make sense. We, we quote that all the time, right? There was a multitude. Everybody say multitude. Multitude of people that are hungry. See, we, we read the Bible, but we don't, we don't hear the voices of those characters. They're like, I'm hot. I need some fried chicken. I want some cornbread. I want some mashed potatoes. I want some lemonade. I want some watermelon. I want some. Give me some food. And, the, and it, we, we read it as like, and then Jesus came, and then he, no, 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 they were tired, they were grumpy, right? And so Jesus came, and he goes, and the disciples, the disciples, watch, being obedient when it doesn't make sense, when God doesn't make sense. Say this, say, I need to be obedient when God doesn't make sense. It's almost like, that's an insult, Lord. Don't you know what I'm going through? Why are you telling me this? Because that's the recipe for you not quitting. It's the recipe for you not giving up. Is to do the very opposite of what everything inside of you is feeling. Feeling. Watch this. The disciples goes, hey, guys, Jesus, there's 5,000 people here. They're thronging. We, we can't buy enough food. There's a little boy there, though, that has five loaves and two fishes. But he goes, what is that to so many? And I love what Jesus did. I love what Jesus did. Totally shocked him. He goes, there's a, five, there's a boy that has five loaves. Bring them to me. So he, he breaks the loaves, breaks the fishes, bless the fishes, and the Bible says that there was buckets, and he fed all of the 5,000 people, and they had leftovers. Listen, less is abundance and favor because God honors your obedience above your feelings. 
I don't feel like it. God never said to feel it. God said action. Listen, and you don't have to understand everything to be obedient. You just have to require action. Don't try to understand everything. Just obey. Now watch this. Now watch this. Now watch this. A couple verses later, all this, you know, free food, buffet, Jesus drops a bomb on them. And I'm going to tell you, here's where it gets really um, scary in a sense because he's about to say something that absolutely makes no sense. Here's a revelation. How you respond to the, the voice of God when it doesn't make any sense will determine if you follow him fully or half-heartedly. Now watch this. Right after the big fish fry sandwich buffet, everyone's like, did you hear that? They're getting some free fish sandwiches over there. I don't know this guy Jesus, but he's just, just stand in line. He'll give you a free fish sandwich. It's amazing. Now watch, watch what happens. This is scary. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 41. Are you getting something this morning? Look at verse 41. This is after the fish, fish buffet. 41, we're going to skip some verses, and 42. It says, then the Jews uh, complained about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So they're, they're going to the other side, and they hear him say, I am the bread of life. Now let me pause and say, we're talking about things that don't make sense. Now for these Jewish people, you have to understand where they come from. They knew the law of Moses. They read the law of Moses, and now Jesus is flipping the script on them, saying, you know that story that all your grandmas and great-great-grandmas and great-great-grandmas have been telling you? I'm that guy. What? No, 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 no. Moses said the bread, bread of heaven, like coming down the manna from heaven. Yeah, that was me. So now watch this. He didn't explain himself. Isn't it amazing when God tells us to do something that doesn't make sense? He doesn't explain himself. He doesn't say like, hey, listen, this is just Watch me. It's all going to be good. Don't tell that person. No, it's just going to be like, I'm the bread of life. So th that's, that's the first part, right? It gets deeper. Look at this. Look at for verse 42. Look at verse 42. And, he, and, and they said, um, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Now, now look, look at verse, jump down to verse 52. Look at verse 52. Jump down here. Watch this. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Listen, look, look at me, look at me. If I said to you, eat my flesh, RCC, and drink my blood, and you're going to have victory. You're going to be like, I am out of here. This is a cult. I'm never going, yeah, right? Now think about it. We, we, we spiritualize everything. But here's Jesus who people didn't know that much. He says, I'm going to go further. Not only am I the bread of life, you need to eat me. <laughs> watch, watch. Jesus didn't fade. He knew what he was doing because truth exposes idols in your heart. Truth exposes the true condition of your heart. Watch this. He said, I'm the bread of life. In other words, I'm going to wait until they get offended. I'm going to wait until they realize that I'm, gonna, I'm asking to do something that doesn't make sense to see if they follow me. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Huh? Huh? Okay, watch this now. Keep going because I got your attention now. Whoever eats my flesh 
and drinks my blood has eternal life. Do you notice that not one time he, he, like, like, uh, he let this accelerator out? He, like, he kept pressing the accelerator. He goes, not only am I on the bread of life, you eat my flesh and blood. Oh, oh, not only do you need to eat my flesh and blood, you will have no eternal life unless you do this. I could, I could imagine everyone's going, Do you see how God will test your heart by asking you things that are difficult because he wants to see if you would do it or not? If I was Jesus, I would have been like, I'm just joking, guys. Come on, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really saying that. But he goes, no. So just like this, he's looking at a crowded room. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part of me. I can see like, you guys are looking at me right, right now. You're like. And I will raise him up in the last day. Watch this. We're going to go to f- verse 58. For my flesh is food indeed. He doesn't, he doesn't let the pedal down. And my blood is drink indeed. For my fl- Keep going. Keep going. For he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You getting the picture? You getting the picture? Keep going to verse 58. As the, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so he who feeds on me, feeds on me, will live because of me. Keep going. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Oh, now he's saying that. Now he's saying uh, that was me. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now watch this. Look at verse 60, verse 68, and then I'm going to start heading to some of my main points before I close. Therefore, many of his who? It, was it worldly people? Worldly people? What are disciples? Followers of Jesus. When they heard this saying, they said, this is a hard saying. Who could understand it? Watch this. Many Christians right now, God is telling you to do something that doesn't make sense. Because everything in you is saying, quit. Everything in you is saying, I'm not going to face that discouragement. I'm not going to go back to the deep waters. I've been doing it for 13 years. I've been doing it for 10 years. I've been doing it for 5 years. I'm not going back. You don't understand. I've been doing that. God says, I know. Do it one more time. Watch this. So the disciples complained about this, and he said to them, does this offend you? Jesus, does this offend you? What, if th- what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Watch this. Look at verse 63 and onward. It is a spirit. Now he explains it. He explains it after their heart is exposed. He's like, guys, I'm not really telling you to eat my physical flesh. It's my spirit who gives life. Listen, and my flesh profits nothing. Wait a minute. He's just explaining it. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Watch this, guys. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew that from the beginning there were those who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one could come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Verse 65. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. From that moment on, from what moment on? From the time he said something that seems impossible. From the time he said something that made no sense. He says, they said, this is too hard for me to grasp. There's no way I'm eating this guy's flesh. There's no way I'm going to proceed with this. I don't understand this. Therefore, because I don't understand it, because it's too painful, I'm not following Jesus anymore. Or modern-day language, I'm giving up. 
of my faith. I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Watch this. If you've ever had to be obedient to something that make no sense, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. God is not here to harm you. He's here to, for you to face the fears and face your disappointment and face your hurt. Listen, a lot of preachers, they say forget about your past, and that's good when you did something that deserves to be forgiven and you've been forgiven. But sometimes in order for us to be healed, we've got to face our past so we can move forward. Because it's your past that's actually locking you up. And sometimes that past is in the deep waters. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Sometimes that pain is in the deep waters. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. It was not a celebratory occasion for the disciples as we think. I used to read that for years and we'd be like, yay. The fishermen were like, no. I'm not going back there. I'm not going to face that again. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to tithe anymore. Done that already. Not going to fast anymore. I've done that already. Not going to believe anymore. I've done that already. Launch out back into that disappointment area. Launch out to the place where you first got disappointment because I want to show you something. Launch out to the deep. And verse 5 is the key. We've toiled all night. Jesus, do you understand how much we've been doing what you've been telling us to do? We've caught nothing. But here's the kicker. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. In other words, I don't understand, and everything in me is saying it's not going to work. But nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to try it one more time. Two more times, three more times, until the breakthrough comes in my life. Until there's a change. Watch this, because right before, watch this prophetic here, right before your nevertheless, there's always a I don't want to. I'm going to say that, watch this. Right before your nevertheless, because if you're ever going to do something for God, you must have a nevertheless in your spirit. You must have a nevertheless in your spirit. That's the second time, glory to God. <laughs> watch this, watch this. Every, right before your nevertheless, there's a I don't want to. Say, I don't want to. Could it be that God tells you something and you don't want to do it? Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you been there where God says, do something, and you say, I don't want to? Is that, is that true? Well, there's a whole bunch of layers to that. That's pride. That's a need of humility. By the way, to go back to the deep, it requires humility. Lord spoke that to me in my office. He said, to, to go back to the deep requires humility because your pride is broken because you're professionals and, you've, and, and you're supposed to have results. To go back to that requires that I don't know everything. I don't know everything. I, I'm going to humble myself and go back to the place of discouragement. Right before you, nevertheless, there's a I don't want to. Say, I don't want to. Watch this. This is proven in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm gonna, this is one of the last scriptures I'm going to end. I want the worship team to start coming up. Watch this. Do you remember that person, the, 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 le the leper named Naaman, right, in the Bible? This guy, the Bible says, we're going to read it. Watch this. He was an influential man. Let me pause and say this. Some of the hardest people to get to go back to the deep are people that have been walking with the Lord for a long time 
or people that are professionals in a certain field and they have a lot of knowledge. I, I speak to leaders all the time and by far the toughest people to minister to are leaders. By far. The easiest people to minister to are people that just got saved and they're like, you say God heals? Okay, I guess God heals. I guess, I guess God heals. They're so pure, they're not corrupted by the church and all the hurt that they've had in the church and they've guarded, they're not guarded like many of us because we've been stained by the church. We've been stained by people. We've been stained by, by people representing the church. So we're not as innocent as when we first were. When you talk to people who have experience or watch this, grew up in the church, that's a tough crowd. Like if I was a comedian, I wouldn't want those people. I'm, not, I'm just being honest because it's like, I know that. I, I, I know that already. I can finish your sentence before you say it. I've walked this before. You ain't saying nothing new. I'm not getting fed here anymore. But it's pride at the core. That's why God says, you want to go back to the deep? It requires humbling yourself because you don't know everything. You think you know everything because your hurt is speaking to you. But that's not me speaking to you. That's your hurt. That's your hurtful experience. But there's fresh waters there. Just trust me one more time. So this guy named him, watch this. Look at 2 Kings. Are you feeling something this morning? Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord has given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Do you know that you could be a mighty woman of God? You could be a mighty man of God, but have spiritual leprosy in your soul? He was a man of valor, but he had leprosy. Leprosy is rep represents many things. Leprosy represents sin, but it also represents uh, the, the stain of hurt that has been lodged in your spirit, and you're not the same as you used to be 20 years ago. If you could be an honest evaluation of yourself, why did, why did David say, restore the joy of my salvation? Because he knew somewhere along the line, come on somebody, I'm preaching good here. Somewhere along the line, he lost the joy of his salvation, although he was still serving God. I'm no longer joyful anymore to come to church. I've seen too many people backstab me. I've seen too many people gossip about me. I've seen too many, my, my, my prayers have not been answered. Now watch this. He was a great man of valor, but he was a leper. Spiritual leprosy, emotional leprosy, spiritual leprosy. Watch this. Watch this now. Watch. Keep going. Naaman went with his house. Okay, I'm going to see. I'm going to make sure that I get the right one. We go to verse 9. Sorry. Verse 9 through 14. Verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of the prophet Elijah. Because he's saying, I want to go to a prophet. A prophet will tell me, watch this, a prophet will tell me what to do. Are you ready for this? Remember, right before you, nevertheless, there's a, I don't want to. Right before your nevertheless, which is your full surrender, there's always a, I don't want to. Now watch this. I don't know about you, but if I had leprosy, I don't care what was told to me, I'll do it. But it's always that I don't want to right before you, nevertheless. Watch this. Elisha sent a messenger to him. I love this. I love this. The prophet saying, go 
and wash in the Jordan, not one time, not two times. The dirtiest river in all of Israel, the murkiest river, the most unpleasant river of all of Israel. You look it up. I want you to dip, not three times, and humble yourself that way, seven times. Now, you would think, okay, this is the answer to my breakthrough. Look at his response. You will be clean if you do this seven times. Nevertheless, I'll go back again, 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 again. Watch this. And Elijah, watch this. But Naaman became furious. What? What? This guy who had leprosy was told to go to the Jordan, dip seven times, and he'll be healed. You would think he'd be like, hallelujah. The Lord is saving me from leprosy, an incurable disease. What? He told me to wash in the Jordan? The Jordan? How many times? Seven, seven times? And he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, watch this, and wave his hands over the place and heal my leprosy. Isn't that like many Christians today who expect a pastor to wave his hands and everything will be good and, and expect God to just wave his hand without us having any responsibility? Without having any responsibility for our marriage, without having any responsibility for our holiness, without having every, any responsibility for our own bitterness, we just want God to say, it's all over. That's just like the church. I thought that the man of God was going to come out and wave his hand and heal me. That's what I thought. Watch this. Look at this. Look, that's just like the church. Keep going. Are not the Abna and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. You know who he was right there? You know who he was right there? He went back to shallow waters right there. Turned away. He said, I'm not going back there. Staying here. I'm not going back there. I'm not going to go to that Jordan. That Jordan is dark. That Jordan is murky. Watch this. That, 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 that Jordan is painful. In the Old Testament, there was no helicopters. There was no planes. So you had to cross the Jordan in order to get to the promised land. Right now, we can fly over it and shortcut the Jordan in order to get to the promised land. But if you ever want to get to your promised land, you can't shortcut the Jordan. You have to face that dark area of your life. You got to face that murky area of your life. You got to face that hurtful area of your life. And you got to cross that Jordan. You got to dip in that Jordan. You got to face that Jordan. You can't shortcut that Jordan. You can't run away from that Jordan. And he went away sad and angry with his leprosy. When the man of God says, dip seven times in the Jordan. Right before you, nevertheless, there's a, I don't want to. That was his, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's too painful. I'm too prideful. I'm too much of a man of, of dignity to dip myself into that Jordan. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now watch. And as his servants came near and spoke to him, he said, Father, 
the prophet had told you to do something great. Would you not have done that? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Watch this. Here's the nevertheless. Because there was a, I don't want to. There was a battle. There was a struggle. Right before you, nevertheless, there's a battle in your soul to do what he's telling you to do or give up. So he went down. He dipped himself. See, nothing happens. I'm praying and nothing happens. I'm tithing. Nothing happens. Look, I'm dirty. Look, this is foolishness. See, Pastor George is not speaking truth. I did all that. I'm still broken. I still don't have my marriage right. I still don't have my finances right. I'm doing everything you're telling me to do. At the seventh time. So he went down and dipped himself according to the Jordan seven times. According to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child because somebody chose to have a nevertheless stronger than their I don't want to. Your nevertheless has to be stronger than your I don't want to. Because if your I don't want to is dominating your nevertheless, you'll never get the benefit of the Jordan. And watch this, watch this. Some, right when he did that, right when you did that, he got up and he was healed. And the Lord told me to tell you, you may be stuck in verse five, but verse six is coming. Verse six is coming. Verse five is your battle between whether you go back to the deep and face your hurt and face your frustrations and finally do it and dip in that Jordan or go back into the deep. But verse 6 is the results of after your nevertheless. Come on. You know what verse 6 says? And the whole boat was filled with the fish and they could not contain it. In other words, that's the blessing of God. That's the favor of God. Your nevertheless will produce a miracle in your life if you just face the deep waters again. If you just dare to believe one more time to go out, come on, launch in the deep, and you say, okay, it's my marriage, it's okay, it's my kids, it's my personal life, it's my loneliness, it's my pain, but nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down my land. At your word, I will I'm scared, but nevertheless, I don't want to, but nevertheless, I've been here before, but nevertheless, having done all things to stand, stand therefore, even the youth will grow weary and go weak, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Launch out, says the Lord, into the deep. And it's not about launching your ministry. It's not about launching your business. It's about trusting in me again in the area of disappointment. It's about going back to that deep waters and saying, I've done this before, but at your word, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to see the results because my faith is not. Listen, I refuse to have a I don't want to when there's a nevertheless inside of me. Come on, say nevertheless at your word. I'm going to pull down that net. I'm going to trust again. Come on. I'm going to hope again.
Come on, I'm going to shout again. Come on, I'm going to clap again. I'm going to sing again. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord. Come on, stand up to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're a way maker, God. You're going to turn it all around. We need to have a nevertheless inside of us. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.